0: Welcome to the Springforth Podcast, a ministry of the First Congregational Church of McGregor, Iowa. This recording was made for December 15th, 2021. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. John 15, verses 7 through 11. Hello again, friends. I mentioned last week that the Revised Common Lectionary, which rotates on a three-year cycle, dedicates two weeks in Advent to John the Baptist. The second Sunday of Advent and the third Sunday of Advent are John the Baptist Sundays. The theme for the third Sunday of Advent is joy. And although John the Baptist is a rather serious and somber figure in the gospel narrative, his call to repentance to those who were approaching him to be baptized is and does contain a sign of joy. Because John is giving people guidelines on how to prepare themselves for the arrival of Jesus. It is a common misconception to assume in life that when a well-meaning friend or relative encourages us to pause and reconsider our plans, to maybe reshape our conduct towards better end results, we are quickly offended. We always assume that when someone suggests that we try something differently, or that we refrain from doing something that we've done before, we assume that the origin of the advice is a judgment call on how we live. Now, sometimes that might very well be the case. There may be somebody who is indeed making a judgment call on how you live, but we cannot always assume that every time someone makes a suggestion and offers advice and provides guidance that they are subtly or not so subtly telling us, I don't like the way you live. I think that's a spin and a read that we bring to things that just isn't always often the case. Now, if there was anyone who took offense at John the Baptist, other than Herod's wife, we have no record of it. I mean, there's no actual written record that people turned around on their heels and left John the Baptist. There is record in the Gospel of John where Jesus gives a very difficult teaching and many people who were following him turned and left and that's recorded. But we don't have a similar narrative with John the Baptist. We don't have anybody who seems to fall out with him because he is asking too much of them or asking something that they're just not ready to give. Those who came out to the wilderness to receive John's teaching had already made a significant investment in their spiritual formation. Did they really expect that he would graciously allow them to rest on their laurels prior to the arrival of Jesus, prior to the arrival of this long-awaited Messiah? John is not willing to shortchange the necessary preparation needed for these people and us to prepare themselves for the transforming spirit of God. So why should we transform? Why should we be ready to respond to the Baptist's call and say, okay, give me a new, give me some new rules. Give me a new slate of living. Show me how my present conduct could be improved and that I could do something better. Well, in the opening passage that I read from John's 15th chapter, verses 7 through 11, Jesus is inviting his disciples to find their joy by keeping the commandments of God. Namely, and primarily the most important one, of loving one another as Jesus had loved them. By doing that, people will come to know that we are followers. Of the way that we are called by Christ, imprinted, shaped, transformed by his love. This is very important for us to note. Talk in the first century was big about the Messiah coming, people hoping that he would be a strong military leader who would transform all of their Political turmoil into something they could use. And we see in John the Baptist that it's not that, it's transformation is internal. In the passage that we just had on Sunday, the Luke passage, referred to episode 5, in that passage, we had individuals, the crowds, were coming to hear John preach. And John said, hold on, hold on. Don't think you can come in here and get baptized, get rubber stamped, and then go away. You have to bear fruit worthy of repentance. And this is perhaps maybe talk that they hadn't heard, didn't hear it frequently. They found it puzzling. What do you mean, bear fruit, worthy of repentance? What should we do, John? See, because they wanted that baptism. They wanted that baptism because it seemed like if we could just get that baptism, if we could just, if we could have that baptism, then everything would be okay. It's like getting that certification that you're on your way to heaven. No further work needed. And John's like, you could almost see him holding his hands up with an intense look and gaze as he meets the people right there, at the river's edge. And he's like, what what are you doing? Stop. Prepare yourself. Repent. Turn away from your your wicked ways. Turn away from your self-absorption. Prepare your hearts and minds for the one who is to come. So they ask him, John, what what, what are you talking about? What, What are you supposed to do? John tells the crowds, for those of you who have two cloaks, give one to somebody who has none even the tax collectors came out tax collectors came out and they said well what 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 should we do he says do not collect more than is prescribed no skimming off the top no cheating people no pushing the envelope when it comes to collecting the taxes you collect what is due and no more and, there soldiers. and the soldiers figured, well, okay, John, we want that baptism also, but apparently you must have some guidelines on what we are supposed to do as well. And he's like, I, as a matter of fact, I do. Do not extort money from people. Do not abuse your office. Do not give threats of intimidation and extortion. Be satisfied with your wages. Now, we should contemporize John's response for our own current times. I mean, we still are people who are dripping in affluence. Even the families with the least amount of possessions in this country far, this country being the United States, I know that this podcast does reach beyond the borders of the U.S., but the least of these, the lowest income families in the United States are still far far more affluent than nations abroad. Nations in what we call the developing countries. Now they wouldn't think that because we, everything is relative. We compare ourselves to our neighbors. We compare ourselves to the immediacy of the people that we were around us. But affluence has become a great impediment to our joy. Because if Jesus says our joy is to love one another, And that our joy will be complete if we can fulfill that commandment. And how many times have we missed the opportunity for true joy because there is something, an attitude or a possession that we are so intent on hanging on to, so intent on maintaining, that it actually becomes an impediment, a stumbling block between us and our ability to see and serve another clearly. But this is what happens. I mean, this is exactly what happens to us. We spend all of our energies in fashioning a world for ourselves. Getting studied to take on this or that vocation. And we get into our vocation. We work hard at that vocation so we can climb that that corporate ladder. And when we get to the place where we are starting to enter into a new tax bracket, we climb a little bit more, and we never stop. And we keep pushing and pushing, and to the detriment of our very Constitution, there has to be something in our life pursuit that isn't always about status. It isn't always about accumulation. It isn't always about excess. There has to be some point where we say, I have enough. I have more than enough. Maybe I need to start thinking about how I can take some of this affluence that's spilling over into my life and make it meaningful and have it work to bring a sense of joy to others, because it no longer brings me joy anymore. When you were younger, I bet you thought that if you could just have whatever it was you were lacking. If food was scarce, you like if I could just have a full fridge, if you had it and grew up in a small house, maybe a rundown house. You said, "If I just had a bigger house. If there was old, broken-down car in the family that was always in the shop and just not reliable." You said, "Man, when I when I get older, I'm I'm gonna have I'm gonna have few cars. They're all gonna run and they're all gonna be late model. They're gonna have air conditioning, power windows. These things are standard on cars now, but." If you go back far enough, you know, it was crank a window down and you were lucky if you got a side mirror. I remember AM, FM radio used to be like a... That was a big deal, man. You got AM and FM. I mean, two bands to choose from. You high rolling. But whatever it is that you were lacking at an early age, you always kept saying, these are the problems that I'm going to rectify. But what happens to the child, the individual who's growing up and says, I'm in a household with unkind people, mean people, people who don't give me affirmations, they don't encourage me, they don't spend time with me. What happens if you grow up in that household? Do you say to yourself, when I get older, I'm going to find a loving community. I'm going to find people who know me and understand me. I'm going to find people who value me for who I am see cuz that's what church that's what church is supposed to be. Church is supposed to be that family that that encourages, uplifts, sustains. But unfortunately our churches are caught in the same strategy the same social climbing status be somebody mentality that the rest of us have to slog through. And you have churches that will acquire new property. They'll build a bigger sanctuary. Maybe they'll put a wing on that sanctuary and they'll call it a fellowship hall. If the church is really large, maybe they'll have a ball diamond so they can start a a denominational softball league, right? And play other churches in town. Maybe They'll put a ball court in. You'll say it's for the youth, but it really is for the people who want to feel young again. They'll come to the church. Maybe they'll shoot hoops. Maybe they'll take a walk around the track. Maybe they'll have a big extravagant pipe organ or a digital projection system. Maybe they'll replace their, not in this church, maybe they'll replace their pews with chairs so they can have a variety of different seating formats for when they decide to do liturgical dance or dramatic presentations. And that church will grow and it will expand and it will have lots of staff. Maybe it will even have a barista in the narthex serving up freshly brewed coffee. It all sounds good, but what about the basic tenets that Jesus was getting us at about love one another as I have loved you. By this they will know that you are my disciples. I say this to you so that your joy may be full and that it may be complete. And we confuse the works we no longer heed John the Baptist's call, and we no longer really respond effectively to Jesus's invitation. We're so caught with making sure that our worship spaces and our homes and schools and communities are significant and noteworthy. And we do that to the detriment of true satisfaction and And true joy. Joy is not in the accumulation of things. That cannot be said enough. It can't be heard enough. Because all around us, the message of accumulate and you will be happy. Accumulate and you will be satisfied. Accumulate and people will like you. is so preeminent that we are starting to think anything contrary to that must be bad. If you don't have anything, you must be bad. If you haven't received that promotion, don't have that fancy house, those expensive shoes, that nice car, those well-heeled children that go to private schools, if you don't have that, you must have made some mistakes along the way. If you are no better than how you grew up, And you haven't been paying attention. This is the message. The popular message worldwide. Accumulate. Accumulate some more. Accumulate until your final breath. There's no joy in that. So when the individuals who came out to hear John the Baptist. Figured that they would not have to change. Figured that they would not have to look inside themselves. To root out the things that were the true impediments. They figured they could rest on their status and the things that they had acquired in life. Even if, even if it was ill-gotten gain, right? Collect no more taxes than is prescribed. Extort no money from anyone. If you have two cloaks, give one to somebody who has none. And if you have food, do likewise. We have freezers and fridges full of food that's already becoming science projects. We buy larger and larger storage sheds to keep things that are only used a few times a year if they're used at all. We have a problem. And Jesus along with John, is trying to make us aware of our problem that if we keep on at this breakneck pace to try to impress somebody, anyone, ourselves, we're going to miss out on the true call, the true divine call that says everything that we need to make an imprint in this world we already have A renewed countenance, a smile, an act of service that is already within our capacity. You don't even have to go to college to be able to do that. You don't even actually have to be employed to be able to do that. You just have to understand right from wrong, good from bad. You have to be able to realize the power of the words that we convey and the actions that we conduct. And if we can do that, if we willingly and knowingly choose every day to do that, we will see a marked change in our world, in our communities. And we're all so busy on to the next, next destination of emptiness. But it's not too late. It's not too late for us. Jesus says it's not too late. He still wants to show us a thing or two about how we might be able to access God through His approach. And John the Baptist is letting us know that whatever we think we've accomplished, if it doesn't have room for someone else, if someone else doesn't benefit from it, if someone else can't be uplifted by all of our great wisdom, and accumulation and affluence and influence, then we haven't accomplished anything. And we've reached no destination at all. We're just wandering in our own strange myths. Maybe there were some who came out and heard John preach and and liked the sound of his voice. They didn't like the manner of his appearance. They didn't like the fact that he held them accountable. Maybe they left. Maybe they said, I don't need baptism today. You know, I don't need baptism at all. If this is what's going to be required for me to be baptized, I'm just going to keep stepping. But I would like to think that, that those who did come out were glad that John held them accountable. They were glad that he held up his hands. They were glad that he didn't just like, dispense baptism freely and easily and rubber stamp people they're probably like thank you John I I lost my way I got carried away and everyone else was doing it it just seems so easy and like second nature but but you've shown me you you've shown me how how lost I've become. How confused I am. I thank you, John. I thank you for making me aware of myself. God bless you, John. That's probably how they responded. Maybe they responded that way. Maybe they went home and said, you know, I got a closet full of cloaks. And it's time for me to start going out and sharing this abundance with someone else. Go and bring an extra bowl or vessel of goat milk to someone What's what's in your closet? What's sitting around and what's in your cabinets? What's in your garage? What's in your shed? What's sitting upon your shelves that you don't even interact with anymore because you've forgotten that it's there? It's become a fixture, but it's there and it's, it's dusty and it's in your way. What might we do to be able to accept and take up this challenge, this challenge that John and Jesus put to us and say, bear fruit. Worthy of repentance. Think on these things and challenge yourself to not hang on to the old ideology of status is everything. I think Jesus has sufficiently demonstrated how bankrupt that is, especially when we think about how life ends. Whatever we've established here, the only things that will truly resonate are the kind gestures that are remembered by those we served in a variety of ways in our life. Not all the stuff that we leave our relatives and friends to have to sort through when we're gone. But what was our attitude? What was our frame of mind? How compelling was our character? That's what's missed. Not the stuff we had, but the stuff of who we were. Be safe out there. God bless you.